1: one side of the defense with the big boys to the other side do you see harry heastan looking for five best offensive linemen to fill vacant guard spots regardless of position or the best guards
2: you got to have the best guards now the best guards can be your number two center or your number two tackle but they've got to be good at guard like here's the thing if your five best players are pure tackles and they can't play guard then you can't play your five best players right Exactly. All right, you've got to play your five best players as far as what the fi- best five man rotation is. Mm-hmm. It's not the five most talented players. This is a good question, Josh. And so I'm not pushing back on you, I'm just explaining because it's, it's a very good question. we have said this expression before if your five best players are centers, six foot two, 300 pound centers, <laughs> and they're your five best players, I can't
1: play, you're tackle. not going to
2: have a great offensive line because they're not going to be able to play tackle <clears throat> at the same level. They're not, they're not right. among your five best as a tackle. And so uh, it's like if you say your eight best players on offense are all wide receivers you can't say we'll just play your best players cuz you don't have enough spots for them to all be none of those eight are quarterbacks right. none of those eight are left tackles right i mean you've got to play the best guys at the positions that you have on your football team you know so it's about finding it's about finding some the five best the five the best five man r- group Right. And so that may be moving a tackle to guard. It may be moving a center to guard. It may be just your young guards emerging. Right. I, I just, you know, I mean, it could be a situation where, you know, Blake Fisher moves inside to guard. I don't see that happening. I, I don't. I'm not saying I'd be opposed to it, but I don't think Blake wants to do it from what I'm told or if he'd be open to that or not. But sure. I don't think you need to do that right now. I don't think none of the tackles to me have been good enough To say you got to justify moving Blake inside. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, what what I don't like doing is taking one position as a strength and making it not as much of a strength to help another position. I just say keep that position great and then figure out how to make that other position better. Agreed. But if somebody stepped up and was just like, man, this guy's just about as good a tackle as Blake is, all right, cool. Then move Blake inside if he's willing. But I don't see that happening right now at this point in time. Right. I think it's about get Billy Shrouth ready to go. Get Andrew Christophek ready to go. Get your young guys, Ty Chant, give him a chance to battle the spring. He's the big guy. You know, give Ashton Craig a chance. Give Rocco Spindler a chance. Maybe some of, maybe Charles Jagasaw is that dude in fall camp. You know what I mean? Where it's like, this guy's just too good not to play. I don't know who the answer is going to be, but I think focusing on getting your depth players to, you know, give Michael Carmody, who maybe isn't a guard right now, give him a chance to play there. Yeah. You know, that's what I would do. And then if you don't feel good about where you are, then you can address some other options. But I also don't think it's it would not shock me to find out if Notre Dame was kind of eyeing the portal just in case there was a couple guys that stood out to them in regard to potentially being impact players at guard. It's not so much that they are need a guard, but right. if the right guy was available, and, and I'm not talking to Kane Madden type. I'm not talking about that. But a,
1: a, a guy that could be better than that. So I, yeah. I while you were talking, I pulled up John's question, which who are yeah. you hearing are front runners for the O line guard right. position this year because you kind of right. headed down that road naturally. So Shrouth I wanted to make one. sure I got that in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Shrouth is one. Kristoffic's another. I mean, right now, if I'm if they're gonna go play a game tomorrow with the guys that are coming back, it's it for me, it would probably be Billy Shrouth and, and Andrew Kristoffic or Correct. Andrew Kristoffic and Michael Carmody. My problem with Michael Carmody is he's had a really hard time keeping weight on. Okay. He's down to 280 on the roster. I mean, if that's anywhere close, like uh, this is too light for me. So did he have a, did he have an illness that made him lose weight? Is he just having trouble keeping weight on? I don't know the answer to that, but 280 is a little too light for me to be, to be a guard, but I'd give him a shot, you know, so it'd be, it'd be Kristoffic, Carmody and, and Shrouth would be the three that would battle it for me right now. I think Billy Shrouth, if he continues to work,
1: yeah, he's in. field.
2: yeah, yeah, very hard to keep off the field. Mm-hmm. Very hard to keep off the field.
1: Yep, yep. For me, yeah, for if me, healthy. For me, I agree with you. I, I think it would be if we're if there's going to be a game this week, it's it's it would be Kristoffic and Shroud would probably yeah. be the two guys that I would. That would be my with. bet. But there's a yeah. long time between now and the fall. Plus there's a whole spring in there too, which we're, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to see some of these guys in action. Mm -hmm. So, but again, that's who I would go with right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what it's going to look like come September.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
1: All right, let's stay with the big boys. Charles Parson, could you explain the role of the D-line in the Notre Dame defensive scheme? Are they eating up blocks like the Georgia D-line?
2: No. They eat up space, but it's not like how Georgia uses it. No. No. And and they they penetrate just not enough for me. So, yeah. no, it's not, it's not like what Georgia does. Georgia is a pure, like, two-gap power defensive yes. line. Like, you constantly hear about how dominant Jalen Carter is, right? And he is. He was not very good against Ohio State, but he's really, really good. But then you look at his numbers and you're like, hold on a second. That that doesn't seem right. Guy had seven tackles for loss this year. That's it. Remember how good we always kept hearing about how good he was last year? Eight and a half tackles for loss. Right. That's it. Remember that really great nose guard they had last year? Jordan Davis, just dominant takeover games. In 15 games, he had five and a half tackles for loss. Two sacks. Because the dominance isn't from them getting to the ball and making plays. The dominance is from them destroying the offensive yes, line and letting the linebackers run right. free of the football.
1: Exactly. Right. Right.
2: So, yeah, it's a completely different one.
1: All right, Rob Osgood. Guys, don't know if you've talked about quarterbacks yet. With Sam Hartman at quarterback, I don't think the teams will stack the box like this year. If they do, they'll get torched downfield. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah I mean Nail we've talked rock. about we've talked yeah. about Sam Hartman you've got an article actually on irisbreakdown.com yeah. about the how good Sam Hartman is at throwing the long ball he's been the best in college football over the last two years if I'm not mistaken based on your article and so go read that article because I think it is eye-opening to a degree and I agree with you Rob if it's going to be a pick your poison if Sam Hartman is the Sam Hartman who we think he can be with Notre Dame it's going to be pick your poison do you want to load the box to try to stop Notre Dame's run game, which is going to be really, really good? Or are you going to spread it out and allow the run game to do what it needs to do against you? Like Notre Dame's offense has the opportunity to be extremely diverse. And it's it's going to be a, what is the defense going to give us? You want to stack the box? Fine. We'll go over your head. We'll go outside. We'll go all over. If you want to try to stop Sam Hartman, he'll just turn around and hand the ball off to, Arguably the best running back room in the country. So pick your poison. That's how I see this. Yeah. Agree. All right. I see you are in with Irish luck. Asked about Sam Howell. But after thinking about it, would you say that Minchie and Hartman have similar games?
2: That's a good one. That's a really good one. I think that's a much better comparison than Hartman and Pine or Hartman and (laughs) Buckner or Hartman and Book. I think Kenny Minchie is a Sam Hartman's a a good comparison. A a player that I compared Kenny Minchie to on signing day was Baker Mayfield. And that's a kind of a fair comparison for Sam Hartman too, is Mm -hmm. a pocket guy that can make plays with his arm that that can also get out of the pocket, buy time, make plays with his his arm outside the pocket as well. And if he needs to, can tuck that sucker and run for eight to 10 yards. Mm -hmm. Can pull a backside read zone on third and two and pick up the first down. I think that's a very. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying like that's a right. comparison from a size, ability, talent standpoint. For me, is Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, right? The Oklahoma right. version of. I'll never compare guys to what they are in the NFL. It's the what they were in
1: college. The Baker Mayfield version of of uh, who he was as a quarterback. Right. Our buddy Alan English. Happy Friday, IB. I got a brisket and two racks of ribs in the smoker, and IB on what could be better. <laughs> I, I agree. It's not a, a great whole lot. Question. It's, it's a, a great lot. question. Yeah, not a whole lot could be better. Christopher Crosby, Brian Vince, we talked yesterday about accuracy issues, taking Sam out of the equation. How do you go about teaching it? Drills, etc.
2: Well, I think Sam. Every quarterback needs work. I, I think there's there's two things that you can really, three things you can do. Number one is repetitions is always good, right? because part of accuracy issues is I don't know quite how this guy runs his routes and how he breaks things off. And this guy tends to round off and outcut cut a little bit more than this guy who's really sharp. So I've got to know that as a quarterback and know right. who's running that route and how I need to throw it, the timing, which I need to throw it. This guy takes a little bit longer to get out of this certain cut than this guy does. So Vince, if you have a guy running the corner out and he is just super bam, sticking and go, then, you know, as soon as he's leaning, you're getting you the ball get out. It. Yep. Other guys, it's like, you know, they're just longer. It is they're not in and out of the break sooner. So you gotta wait till they actually plant and start to take that lead step before that ball is gonna come
1: out. Now we're talking split second difference. Correct. But that can be split the difference. Split second a-
2: difference is here to just outside my hands and completely exactly. Right. Yeah, that's
1: that's what I'm saying. Absolutely.
2: Right. And that takes time.
1: Yep. From
2: you know, to to develop that. Other things are feet. Like when Tyler Buckner's off target, nine out of ten times it's his foot. It's his footwork. Yeah, he's he's doesn't set his feet, which then because like your feet are the driver of everything. Like there, there are some quarters, like Brett Farmer and Aaron Rodgers are two examples. Pat Mahomes are examples. They're just their arms are so strong that they don't need their feet to take them all the time where they need to go. Even them sometimes the feet get them in trouble. Sure. But more often than not, quarterbacks, you're I've said this, I've this is how I taught it. Your feet need to be the first thing to go. Your feet need to move to to where they need to go to, and then your rest of your body follows. Because if a lot a lot of times the quarterbacks is their eyes lead them, and if your eyes are leading you, as soon as you see what's open, you, then you've got to move your body. The A that's a tell, and B you're most likely going to be you're going to rush it and be off target. Right. Your feet need to lead you through your progression, and then the rest of your body follows. Because then when you see it, and I got to quickly set up and throw, your feet are already set. And, you know, just a a point is, you know, you're, you want to have your back heel kind of planted, you know, so like, if that's my target, I got to have my heel planted perpendicular to the target or horizontal to the target is kind of how you want to go. And then you got to make sure that your lead step, you know, if you're able to teach it is kind of the, to the, the inside pit of where you're trying to throw the football. So if a guy, if you're throwing a guy, a curl route, your back foot is kind of parallel to his chest and your lead foot is sort of opened up on his inside armpit. That's a general rule. Now some guys can get away with that cuz their arms are so strong, but that's a general rule. So just getting used to that and if it's a player, but if it's a spot, you kind of want to have your feet set for that. What you don't want to do, Vince, and you, if you're off by this much with your feet, you're still going to be fine. But if you're if your feet if your if your lead foot opens up too much, then it takes your hips with you, which means as you're stepping and throwing, your hips are already open, but your arm's still back here, and then your arms late get through the zone, and your ball tends to be either low or high. If your foot is too narrow, then your it closes your hips. So as you're kind of coming here, your hips are now fighting your feet, which tends to bring your arm down, which is why guys tend to either lead or drive the ball down. And so it's about getting your feet and your hips and your arm all kind of working together, and the only way you can ensure that that happens more often than not is if your feet are taught to you as what leads you through the progressions. Is that kind of fair, Vince? I mean, is that how to explain it? Yep. And and then once your feet get right, then it's a lot easier to get a more consistent. Because you know what more often than not messes up a quarterback's release point? It's the feet. Because of the feet then affects the hips and the hips affect the arm angle. Because if I'm trying to throw here, but something happens here or something happens here, See how that just naturally kind of changes that I'm not purposely changing my arm. I'm just moving my hips and leaving my arm steady. Right? So if your feet are affecting your hips, your hips affect your arm. Your arm is what leads to an inconsistent release point. And the release point is the re is the primary reason why accuracy is off, but it's the feet that dictate the release point in a lot
1: of instances. So, yeah. Love it. Good question. Good stuff. Good question. Good stuff. All right. Stoneador. How close is Tyler Buckner to reaching his potential? What exactly would reaching his potential look like?
2: Oh, my gosh. What would Tyler Buckner reaching his potential look like? A not as productive Kyler Murray. Because Kyler Murray just played in a system that was incredibly – like the right. numbers from were numbers, insane
1: from a number standpoint, but
2: yeah. impact-wise, similar to Kyler Murray, I, I yeah. really believe that. Now Kyler Murray's faster, but I believe Tyler Buckner can be a thirty-five hundred yard passing, eight hundred yard rushing player. I do, I, and I do. I just I, yeah, I think he can be that guy.
1: I, I, how close is he? Here's the thing about Tyler Buckner that gets me excited, and I think this is what gets Brian excited too. He does the difficult stuff now. Mm -hmm. it's the simple stuff that needs to be honed and worked on. And and like Brian was talking about the feet and, you know, things like that. He's so much better when he's getting pressured than Mm -hmm. when he's got a clean pocket right now. And which is kind of scary, but those are all things that you can work on. Those are things that you can get better. And so he's a lot closer to reaching his potential than guys are that stink when they're getting pressured because it's easier to fix the other stuff than it is to be able to drop your arm angle and do a lot of the things that we saw in the Gator Bowl, which he did really, really well. It's a lot harder to fix that stuff than it is to fix the stuff that it looks like he needs to work on, which right. is the clean pocket stuff. So he's a lot closer than a lot of people think he is, is what right. I will say.
2: Well, I mean, Vince, if you took his Gator Bowl numbers, just to put into context the production he had in the Gator Bowl, yeah. if Tyler Buckner just averaged that, over the course of a season, just averaged what he did in the Gator Bowl: two hundred seventy-four passing yards. That that goes to thirty-five hundred sixty-two yards over the course of the <laughs> season. Sixty-one pass, sixty-one rushing yards goes to seven hundred ninety-three yards for the course of an entire season. That's really good production. And then, of course, two touchdowns would get him to twenty-six rushing touchdowns. He's not going to have twenty-six rushing right. touchdowns. Right. But if you just went five touchdowns and and put that over the course of the season, that's that's uh, let's see here. Five times 13 is 65 touchdowns. He's not going to have 65 touchdowns. No, but the point is, is, is he's a guy that can get you three to four touchdowns a game. Yes. And with his arms or his leg and is going to get you over 4000 yards of offense. That's that's pretty good. That's production. how I see Tyler Buckner. <laughs> yeah. And he's impacting the game in a way that looks a lot like what Kyler Murray did. Right. Right. Where you just you think you got him beat, and then all of a sudden he just drops his arm angle and makes some stupid throw. Right. That you're like, how do you defend that? You can't. The only way you can defend that is if the receiver, if you beat the receiver, and that's it. And so that's what he can be. How close is he? He's pretty far off right now, just because of the. I mean, of what we know. Yeah. You, you can't <clears throat> take the Gator Bowl. Like, here's the mistake fans are making. One of two. One one is to completely ignore the Gator Bowl because you're so still obsessed with what happened against Marshall. Okay, it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. And the other one is to look at the Gator Bowl and ignore the interceptions and ignore Marshall and go there. Both are wrong. They're both part of the learning process for Tyler Buckner. Now the question is, okay, Tyler, you showed what you can do from a playmaking standpoint. Now clean up the other stuff. Because here's the thing. If he just does three simple things correctly just read the four verts properly and just throw the easiest seam route you can ever throw to a wide open mitchell evans you've got a 40-yard touchdown right if you just drop that ball off to chris tyree on the little quick wheel he's at least getting you 25 more yards if not another touchdown just two mechanical mistakes and a read one mechanical mistake and one easy read mistake and all of a sudden he's got 350 yards yeah, and another just touchdown like just like that right and then just on that last one is have as, with more experience. He, no matter what you think of the call from Tommy Reese, it was not a good call. But a more experienced quarterback sees that the look isn't there, and he throws it away. You live to fight another day. Second right. down. It was first right. down. Right. And and so with more. And I'm not blaming Tyler. That call should not have been made. Right. But. You can get away with making that call with a more experienced quarterback because he's going to see this isn't the look we wanted. He's going to process that really quickly and say, "Okay, not the look we wanted." So I got to go to my secondary to throw away because I can't go to my primary. My primary is covered because that linebacker came over and they had another right. guy there, safety there. The primary is covered, so I got to look to my secondary. And if the secondary is not there, I'm throwing it away and we're going right. second goal from seven. Right, so those things will those things will be worked out with more experience from Tyler, or should be worked out with more experience yes. from Tyler. Right, and and that's when he starts to get into that potential. Sure, but I just don't know when that's going to come, and if, if it does, then can you keep him healthy for
1: thirteen games doing it? Those that's are the a whole other conversation. But too. the kid
2: has immense potential. Yeah. Immense potential.
1: Yep, absolutely. Can't believe my eyes, says dude. The graduate transfers immediately enter school when the semester starts and join all the off season training programs. How is that different from a freshman transfer as an example? I don't think there's any difference whatsoever.
2: Well yeah matter of fact it, it <laughs> tends to be even it can at times be even more challenging for a graduate or in a, a guy that's about to graduate. So for example, if you remember Lawrence Keys after last season, he couldn't transfer to Tulane until the summer because he had to, he wanted to stay at Notre Dame and graduate degree. so he had yeah. to stay in in that spring to graduate. For a guy like Sam Hartman, for example, he's going to be here next week. Right. You know, when when they enroll, so nine days, so right. week and a half, he'll be and he'll be there for all the winter workouts, all the spring ball, all summer
1: workouts. If a freshman was going to transfer, like let's say Anthony Lucas, as an example, I'm not getting people excited. If he was going to transfer over as a true freshman, he could start on the 17th, whenever class starts, right. and, and be good, and he would be right. there the exact same amount of time. Right. So it doesn't really change. If you're not going to graduate, you're
2: there. You're there right. in the spring. Yes, you're there in the spring for yeah. graduates, and that's what the it, it appears to me that 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 can't believe my eyes understands that, and that's mm-hmm. why the question was asked about graduates, right? Uh, yep. So, in the instance of the guys that they're going after, I believe Spencer Schrader, the punter whose name escapes me right now, and uh, and Sam Hartman are all and Caleb Smith are all already graduated. So they'll be and here. are going to be here in the spring. Right. I anticipate all of them
1: being part of the spring. Yeah. So, very good question. Some awesome punting and kicking in the spring We're game. We had some great questions today, Vince. Well, I think that's about to take a turn. Here we go. Okay. Stone Aider says, if Hartman starts for us next year, can we expect... A large influx of female Notre Dame fans I have to admit Freeman and Hartman are both pretty good-looking dudes.
2: Well, why? Why is this a bad question? Vince? <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's just a weird one, is all.
2: Okay. Well, first <laughs> of all, we don't know if Stone Door is a male or a female.
1: That's um, fair. I, I don't think it matters. Whatever. Yeah. I. Like.
2: I. I don't. I. I. I mean, look. <laughs> I as a husband, I can't deny mm-hmm. that that what the quarterback looks like is something that that's gonna like if Brady Quinn didn't look like Brady Quinn, I don't know if my wife would have na- wanted to name our first dog Brady. I'm just gonna be honest with you, okay? <laughs> She's never been like let's name him Jimmy or Clawson, right? She knows that. I mean, and that's who the quarterback was when she and I met it was Jimmy Clawson, not Brady that's Quinn, right? That's funny. So, um, that's I, great. I don't know. That's I have great. no idea. I mean, part of me wants to kind of you know. Be if like oh you know women love the game too and okay I, I get that and they do but it it doesn't mean like it's like saying if you had really hot cheerleaders would more men attend I mean would I be I'd be kind of naive if I said that that didn't matter otherwise why do they have cheerleaders you know what I mean like, why
1: why does USC have the those uh, what do they call of the song girls yeah right I mean. Lakers and the
2: showgirls, right? I mean, it It is what what it it is. is. It's part of the game. I I don't personally care for it, but I'm a dork who just likes the nerdy stuff of the game. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I think other people like that stuff. It'll be some. I I don't think it'll – I don't think that stuff matters as much as football as it does in other sports. Uh, Just because he's going to be at the game with his helmet on the whole time.
1: Right. Well, here's where it matters. NIL.
2: Jersey. Yeah, and jersey sales. Yeah.
1: Yeah. NIL, I mean, they – Like, we talked about it, was it with you and me, or was it me and Sean? I can't even remember about what could Brady Quinn have gotten an NIL if they had it when he was around. He would have been rolling. He would have been like Scrooge McDuck, just diving into his coins, like, because he's a good-looking dude, and he's well-spoken and all of that. There's a reason that he has the job he has now. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it matters. I don't know if it's going to bring more fans, but I think it'll help his NIL deals. I'll I'll just say that. All right, back to some football stuff. Pat Kowalski says, if we were to go to a 3-3-5, could a guy like Barnes or Tucker find any playing time in a role outside of true corner? If you're talented, you should get some reps and not collect dust on the sidelines.
2: I mean, that's true, but at the same time, if you have seven talented corners. You can't play seven corners on defense. Exactly. You just can't do it. Uh, but to your question, Pat, I, I do think there could be a role there because, and this is what we've, I've been saying this for over a week now. Uh If Chance Tucker and Ryan Barnes, just one of them, has a really strong offseason and forces his way to say, dude, this guy's got to be part of the rotation, right? He's not going to beat out Cam. He's not going to beat out Benjamin, barring injury. Right. But you know what he can do? Is he can go out there and say, hey, look, we don't have to play Cam every single snap. We can give him every third series off to let him you know, stay fresh and all that kind of stuff. And and maybe there are certain games where you just can't afford to take Cam off the game. Like Ohio State game, can't take Cam off the field. But if you can then take him off the field as part of rotation against Navy and against Tennessee State and sure. against Central Michigan because Chance is really playing well, and then he can kind of maybe play both where he can also give Benjamin a spell, mm-hmm. or maybe Barnes gives Ryan a spell or uh, Cam a spell, and then Chance gives Benjamin a spell or Jaden Mickey gives Benjamin a spell. All of a sudden, you've got a fresher fresher group that right. also then ele- – this is why we've advocated for moving Clarence Lewis to safety because you do have – if those guys emerge. Because right now, you've got three corners that you know you can play with. Jaden Mickey, Benjamin Morrison, and Cam Hart. That's what you have. If Chance proves himself ready to play or Barnes – it would be nice if it's both – <laughs> uh, or if one of the freshmen does then you know what now all of a sudden you can move clarence lewis because though you, you can find a role for those guys right uh and the other thing too is we did see chance tucker in the bowl game on special teams and i've heard that that he had a very strong finish to the season so we did see him a little bit in the bowl game on special teams so i would love to see more of chance tucker at cornerback i, I really would because i think it help keep guys fresh yeah and it would help you move clarence lewis because Cause if they both step up and the other thing too is Ryan Barnes could help you at safety if the need arose, cause he's a pretty physical kid too. If he's able to, you know, be ready to play and all those type of things. So yes, I would, uh, I would uh, be very interested to see those guys emerge. Cause I think, and, and I don't think, look, the three, three, five part doesn't matter to me because that only affects the box. Uh, it, a four, two, five is structurally right. from a secondary standpoint. is no different than the three, three, five
1: agreed. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree with that. Lucas says, "What is your take on Byron Vaughn's and his potential fit in Notre Dame's defense? Former edge player at Utah State, but fits more of a linebacker slash pass rusher in Notre Dame's system."
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he fits that role at Notre Dame. To be completely honest with you, I mean, I know that's kind of what he did there, but I just, I think he's, I think he's more of a. Kind of a big end at what Notre Dame does, you know. Maybe some viper here. I don't know. I, I he, look here's the he's super long and he's got some twitchiness to him, but he's a really raw football player. Yeah. So he's a depth guy that you're just you're taking a flyer on him, hoping that the light goes on. Is, is really he what a you're doing.
1: Graduate, I
2: believe he is. yes. Okay. So he's been he, doing I it for he a is. while. Okay. Yeah. But he's he's very raw. <clears throat> he was actually better in 2021 than he was this past year production-wise and play-wise and all of that. Uh, last year, he had 10 and a half tackles for loss. He's like 6'5", you know, 6'4", 6'5", 240, you know, 235. Um, he had 10 and a half tackles for loss and four sacks. This year, he only had eight and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. Uh, 2019 as a freshman, he played 10 games and, and had 14 tackles. So, and he's a He's a guy, Vince, that you're taking a flower on. He's super long, yeah, like super long. He's more of a here's the thing. He's a viper kind of body, but his game isn't that of a viper, in my opinion. At least from what I, little I've seen. I I, I got to watch a lot more film of him, and and I do believe Notre Dame is looking at him, but there's some other guys too that that they, I think they like a tad more,
1: to be honest with you. So okay, yeah. all right. Next up is Domer Grizz. After Joe Alt goes pro after next year, should Blake Fisher come back and play left tackle as a senior? First of all, he'd be a yeah, he'd be a senior. Uh, would that boost his draft stock? And would the staff do that and give Wagner a year at right tackle before sliding him over?
2: I would. Yeah. I mean, I I I kind of well, number one, I think that's what Harry has done, right? In the past. Mm-hmm. It would partly depend on what does Blake want to do? Like, if Blake's like, no, I I like where I'm at, I want to come out and have a really dominant year where I'm at in 2024, leave him there, and then let your left tackles battle it out. But I think what we've seen in the past from Notre Dame, I mean, this has kind of been how Harry did it. You know, he started Ronnie Stanley in 2013, started at right tackle with Nick Zach Martin at left tackle. Zach graduates, he puts him at left tackle, puts Ronnie at left tackle. McGlincy's playing right tackle. Eventually, starts in the bowl game at right tackle. Comes out in 2015. You got Stanley at left tackle, McGlinchey at right tackle, and they they're dominant. 16, you move McGlincy over to left tackle, and he's kind of your next left tackle. Liam Eichenberg kind of started his career at right tackle because you know maybe potentially stepping in. Tommy Kramer, same thing. Eventually, uh, Liam moves to left tackle to play left tackle. He but he never started at right tackle, but he he played it. If you remember. I think it was 2017, I believe, Liam got in the game several times at right tackle, not left tackle, I believe. I have to go back and look at that, but I'm pretty sure that that's what my memory tells me. So we've seen that in the past. We've certainly seen that in the past uh, with Harry Heastan and offensive lines, and so it wouldn't surprise me if we see that again uh, this way. And I'd be fine sense. with it, but it just yeah. depends on, on – Blake and what you think he can do and what you think he'd be willing right. to do right but I would I mean if, if Blake's coming back in 2024 I would absolutely look to give him a shot at left tackle I think he can play it I think he's plenty athletic enough and long enough and powerful enough to play it Vince I don't know about you I think the only reason Blake Fisher's not playing left tackle right now is because arguably the best second best tackle in college second best tackle in college football arguably is on that team with him I mean, I think Peter Skaronski is probably the best left tackle in college football, in my opinion, the kid from Northwestern. But I think after that, there's a debate that Joe Walt needs to be a part of. Yeah. That's the only reason Blake's not playing left tackle now is because of that. So I think he can play it. It's just in this team, I think he could be a dominant right tackle. There's sure. no need to – whereas I don't think Joe's a dominant right tackle the way that Blake can be. So, yeah, I, I would consider it – strongly consider it. Good question. Yeah, I would, and I would – and I shouldn't do this because I have no evidence of it. But I mean, just I would assume that Joe Walt leaves after next year if, if he plays the way he did this year. Yeah, if, if he keeps he ascending does. the way he has been. But that's last just my year. opinion. I have no, I have no right. intel to back that up. That's just he can me, and stay. Vince, Who knows? me and Vince giving our opinions. He may, yeah. he may view himself as a a guy that needs a fourth year under Harry Heastan. Maybe he does. Maybe the NFL tells him you're a top fifteen pick, and he thinks coming back <laughs> twenty four makes him a top five pick. I don't. There's so yeah. much that we don't know. Sure, but I mean, just. If you're Notre Dame, you've got to prepare yourself for him not to be back.
1: Absolutely. And then if he decides to come back, great. Thumbs up. Let's roll. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We got a uh, super chat here from Raymond Harton. No question, but just a super chat. So thank you very much, Raymond. Really appreciate that very much. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Thank you, sir. Happy Friday, guys. Fun question. Biggest upset in college football? One regular season game and one bowl game. And P.S., I was happy for the Mississippi State Bowl win. Yeah,
2: I was too. As much as I dislike the SEC and like it when the SEC loses, I was happy to see Mississippi State get that win.
1: Sure. Yeah, I was. I was. So he's asking for the regular season, like, so upsets, I guess, for games that already happened. Is this all
2: time or this year? Um. I mean, biggest upset in college football history. I mean, to me, it's it's got to be App State over Michigan, right? I mean, that was great. Is I mean, no, no, not even taking a shot at Michigan. I mean, that was an FCS team, and and, okay, but I'm trying to have a rational conversation right here. Michigan was coming off a 2006 season, weren't they? Like, I mean, Vince 2006 year was 07 when they beat them, right? They
1: they were coming off of it. They were like a top 10 team. I want yeah, because the year before is
2: is when the game was one versus two. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, and, and, they, they had a really good team coming back. So, and then App State beat them was like that to me, that has to be, I don't think it's the biggest point spread upset. I don't know. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But like just, yeah. I say biggest upset in college football history. Let's see what it is. If they have it like by spreads and stuff, but yeah, I think that would be, that would be one for me. Um, Vince would be the big upset. Biggest one in the bowl game. Hmm. That's a good one. You know, uh, well, there was one. There was one that I was. Think, I mean, like I don't count Boise over Oklahoma State. Oklahoma is a as a major upset. I'll say this: 08 when Utah beat Alabama. I don't know what the spread was of that game, but I do remember it being like just Bama was this great team, and all kinds of. Stuff. You know what? Another game that I just remembered. It might be an even bigger upset, Vince. Okay. Remember when Stanford beat USC in 07? Stanford sucked yeah. that year. They lost to Notre Dame in 07 and they beat USC. That's a pretty I think Tavika Pritchard was the quarterback in that game. That's a big upset. Well but bowl game, Vince. Did you have one that you wanted? Well, to- from
1: a from a from a, a you know a spread standpoint, it wasn't a huge upset. But when Texas beat USC, yeah, that was a big one. That yeah. that that was a big one. That was the Rose Bowl, you know, Vince Young, the whole mm-hmm. unstoppable USC team. Like I that was a fun one for sure. It was a good game, but I also believe that was an upset, right? Yeah. I
2: mean USC was definitely the favorite, but I don't think it was. Right. A, that's what I'm saying. I don't think was it was a, huge a spread. Huge
1: yeah. spread situation, but I think it was still an upset. I think everybody yeah. kind of had USC crowned at that point.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think of some more. I'd have to think about that one time. That's a that's a good one. But yeah, the the FBS on FBS crime, that would be Stanford USC 07 for me. That was a pretty big one. That was a pretty that's big good one. Stuff. But overall, I got to go with the App State one. I really do. Right. Yeah.
1: Irish blooded. What's your go-to karaoke song?
2: So I I started this one because this is gonna sound bad. You know I've never done karaoke. Me neither. I've never I've been at karaoke place. I've never personally done karaoke. Nope, I haven't so, either. Yeah, so I, I, I don't really have. I mean, I'm more ugh. to. Here's the funny thing is, I used to be part. It's gonna be funny. I probably shouldn't say this. So when I was in elementary school, I was part of a singing group in, in the elementary school that the at the school we went to. It's called Kids from Bath, and we'd travel all over. It's like it was a school thing, and we'd sing. And that was how we went to my first trip to Washington D.C. But I've never liked how I sang. I used to sing in church all the time as a kid, my grandma's church. But ever when I went through puberty, I didn't like how I sounded when I sang. So now I'm, nobody hears me sing. I don't like singing in front of people. <laughs> um, so I've never done karaoke, not even as a joke. Like I'm just very—I don't know why. Like you know me, Vince. I don't—I don't mind being in front of people. I will. I don't. I talk. I give speeches. I give all but singing in front of people is that uh, terrified for me. There's only one person that's heard me sing in the last decade. And that's my wife. Mm-hmm. And that's even as a joke, you know, my wife
1: tells me to stop singing all the yeah. time, but I sing all the time. <laughs> so, at home. Our wives
2: are a little bit different. <laughs>
1: so That's fair. Yeah. I sing all yeah. the time and I get yelled at, but I at do it home. as a joke, you know, like
2: just messing with her. Like, you know, there's a song that, uh, this remember the Stevie wonder song I just called. Right? Yeah. So when my wife's out of town, I'll call and sing that to her just makes her feel better, but nobody else gets to hear that you know, I'm mortified <laughs> of singing in, in front of people.
1: I, yeah. So. I don't, I've never sung karaoke myself. And, uh, I mean, there's certain songs I could do and I yeah. would sound terrible. I'm sure, <laughs> yes. but I know all the words, <laughs> you know, like I could do it, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I'd probably have some that. fun, be
2: like a Michael Jackson song or something like that. You know, just do a bunch of Michael Jackson moves or
1: I, I could be super corny and just do what everybody does, like a piano man. Like, that's yeah. an easy one, you know.
2: sync, bye-bye-bye, do that yeah, one. Baby. That's you. That's you, Ryan and Sean. I just got this visual. Oh, of you, my gosh. At the IB Christmas party, you, Ryan and Sean, doing oh. sync, bye-bye-bye. I just – I got to see it now. I got to see it now.
1: I got to well, see maybe it will We'll do it for our um, our uh, get-together during spring ball like we had last year. We'll have to do that. Yeah. All right, here we go. Rob, Brian, and Vince, do you think Sam Hartman plays in the spring game, or will the QB play be mostly Buckner and the younger guys?
2: Oh, I think they'll all need to play. Look, Sam Hartman's going to need every opportunity yep. he can to get on the same page with players. Do what I play him the whole game? No. But I'd definitely play him the first full
1: first quarter, if not the whole first half. Uh, first half for me. I, yeah. think, it's, I think it's Buckner versus – not yeah. versus, but like Buckner I, on one it side. That's what would be for me. Hartman on the yeah. other side. Like that. Because you don't actually really face me. off against each other. I hate when they always say right. it's quarterback versus quarterback. Right. it's not. But, like, I would have those two on opposite teams for the first half. And then the second yeah. half, it's Angelia and Minchie, you know. Yeah. And then I'll give the last series to uh, Paulus to hand off to the walk-ons. Yeah. But other than that, that's what I would do for the spring game. I mean, you can have whatever rules you want, you know. It doesn't have to be offense versus defense. And, you know, I would try to stack it up as best I could and even it up. Yep, you know that's the whole first half for me. Yep. So absolutely, he plays unless there's an injury, unless somebody you know gets hurt walking down the stairs again or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, couldn't help myself. I know. All right. I know. Uh, call me Ty says, "What is your ideal base defensive lineup for 23? Do you think it will be different in the future?"
0: Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation.
2: Oh, I don't – I mean, it's – again, let me see what the roster looks like. I could give you an answer now, and in two days they get a transfer and it completely changes. Like, what is your ideal base defensive lineup? I'm personally a fan of the 4-2-5. I, I think a, a, a 4-2-5, 3-3-5 yeah. hybrid with yes. Patelho and Burnham as your Viper is probably the ideal based on what we know right now, right? Yeah. And, and, and more of a true nickel defense. I don't want to see – a three linebacker defense next year, unless that third linebacker is one of the, is the, the whole part right. of combination. I, right. I don't want to see it. I agree. Um, You know, let Jack Kaiser battle for one of the inside jobs if he wants it. Right. But yep. that,
1: that's, and that's what I would do too.
2: I would move yeah. him Now you, you need to have that as a look at times. There's times of sure. the base defense where you're, so now you're kind of more of like a four, two, a four, three personnel or three, 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 four personnel, not typical, you know, edge rusher, 3-4, but just, you know, Bill Belichick, old school, 3-4, but just 3-4 personnel, Um you're, there's a time and a place for that, but it would not be my base defense like it is sure. this year.
1: Yep, I agree with that completely. Johnny from the Boot says, with the additions of and possibly future additions from the portal, how do you think Freeman or Brian and Vince gets down to 85-man roster? The, the, the 85-man roster thing pretty much always takes care of itself. Right, and I know there's. You've got an article that you update all the time with the yeah. current. I'm actually literally
2: updating it right now as we're it talking. Should be ninety,
1: I do yeah. believe. After yesterday, I think yesterday made it eighty nine, and then of course they they brought in their the grant yeah. transfer, so it makes it ninety. Right. There's gonna number one. There's gonna be more defections from Notre Dame's team, Correct. whether whether it's forced or otherwise, between whether now right. and and August. Right. There's gonna be guys leaving. Right. And then that that by but some itself, of will be after
2: the spring. Right. You know?
1: Absolutely. And that by itself will get them down to where about where they need to be. And then there's always every year it seems like somebody goes on a medical that maybe we were weren't anticipating. It's not I, I can't flat out give you names of guys that are going to not be on the roster between now and then. But it always works itself out They yeah. They're very cognizant of where they are with a numbers situation. Right. Are they at 90, Brian? Does that sound right?
2: I have him in eighty-nine. Eighty okay. nine I have him. But I have some guys off the roster Oh, other people. But Justin
1: was Justin was on the roster <laughs> yesterday. Now he's Correct. off. So it's a Correct. one for one.
2: So getting okay. Hartman put him back up to ninety from what I have. Yeah. And okay. um yeah. So I, I so yeah. So like from I added like uh David Sherwood from my original article because I thought he was still a walk on, but yeah, he's not a walk, he's not there anymore. Uh speaking of the only person that lets me that I sing in front of, we were just talking about, uh, me and karaoke <laughs> and how I don't sing in front of anyone. You're the only person that I sing in front of. So yeah, <laughs> she's, she's laughing Chuckles in the background. She yeah. does. Uh, 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 yeah. So, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm at now. Scholarship wise. Yeah, okay.
1: That, man, and that sounds right. Like I said, it all, it all takes care of itself, and everybody's always worried about how they get to where they need to get to, and they always do. Like she was like,
2: are you guys doing a show right now? Like, why are you talking about... She didn't know we are doing the mailbag today. Like, why are you talking about karaoke? she thought like, me and you were BSing. That's what she was like. <laughs> that's what we do. Because she sneaks down here all quietly, and she brings me tea, right? Yeah. Because she's sweet like that. So uh, she thought me and you were just talking, so... it's <laughs> great. She's like, are you doing a show? Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So get some
1: uh our buddy John A1. He says now that Brennan Vernon is down to 259 pounds at six foot five, he has a very similar height and weight profile to Riley Mills. Do they have similar games or are they worlds apart?
2: Oh, I think they're different players. I think Riley, there's some similarities. They're not worlds apart, it's in between. You know, I, I think Brennan Vernon's gonna end up looking a lot like Riley Mills, maybe not quite Riley's a little bit naturally thicker, just like just what I mean, Riley's like two ninety five inch. You've stood next to him; he's just huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's just everything. He's just yeah. like he's not he's fat. He's dude. just
1: huge. Yes,
2: Brennan is is more naturally two sixty five ish. You know, he'd have to bulk up to get to two eighty five two nine. And I think he will. I think he's going to have that, bulk, yeah. like that that boom. You know, like Riley had. Uh, you know, so so I mean, when Riley quits playing football, he'll he'll be he'll lose weight. All all guys,
1: hopefully, absolutely, so, yeah, you know. It's amazing what former offensive linemen look like. Oh, yeah. When they're about I've said years this before
2: Mike McGlinchey, about two years after he's done playing football is gonna look like a different dude. Joe, yes. th- I don't even recognize Joe Thomas when I see him on TV now. Like, right. Who's that dude? Or like, that's Joe Thomas. Who's Joe Thomas? That's the guy that <laughs> played for the Browns. I'm like, that's not him. Yeah, you guys, exactly. That guy's like a buck 225.
1: <laughs> that's not him. It's amazing. You know, it's amazing what happens. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: So I just kind of look at it and and um, you know, Vince, for me, it's it's uh Similar, similar body types, but their games are different. I think Brennan's gonna end up being a a, an inside guy. Yes. I think he's gonna be really good in tight quarters as a power guy. I think Riley's body fits an inside guy, but his game matches more of an outside guy to me. At least it has so far. Yeah. So we'll we'll kind of see how that one
1: continues to play out. Archer, our resident Ohio State fan, says lots of hype around Michigan and Penn State going into 23, with Ohio State being parentally a top. Preseason top five team. What are the chances the Big Ten has three of the top six preseason teams? Hmm. Penn State being a top six team. I mean, it may happen, but I don't think
2: it should. I think Penn State was, I'll say this again, vastly overrated this year, like all year. They beat Utah mainly because Utah was missing two of their best players and their quarterback got hurt and their backup quarterback was terrible. (laughs) Uh, you know, Penn State will be overrated next year. Michigan, right. I mean, it's is Jim Harbaugh gonna be their coach? Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I just I gotta see some things, but I mean, look, I would imagine Ohio, Ohio State and Michigan are being that conversation for top five. I, again I gotta go look at you know, other who's the SEC team they're gonna overhype and put in the top
1: six this year, right? right? Like it was right.
2: AM this year, it was right. you know, well last two years, it's like who who's that gonna be? It's gonna be LSU. Like I think LSU's gonna be way overhyped in the preseason polls next year for what oh, a four yeah. team should, you know, four loss team should be that get, they got their brains beat in as often as LSU did in their losses. So I mean, you know, they'll probably be overhyped. I mean, I would have LSU as a borderline top ten team next year, but I, I could see them like having them like they'll be top five. Yeah,
1: they'll be top five. Right. right. Okay. Like them yeah. and
2: Notre Dame should be around the same place for me, in my opinion, with what we know of who's coming back for LSU, and you're looking at their schedule. Sure. You know, but uh that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, you know, like because I I, I got to go, like, how many linemen does Michigan lose? That's a question that I have. You know, how how many defensive guys? I know they're going to lose some, but not a ton. You know, is Blake Corm come back or not? I got to know that question. You know, so there's just some stuff I sure. got to know. But if, if they get most of the guys back that are expected to be back, you know, honestly, Michigan deserves to be a top five team. I mean, look, if we're looking at this objectively, not as Notre Dame fans to eight Michigan. But if we're looking at this objectively, Vince, they've been in the playoff two years in a row, and they're going to return potentially a big chunk of their starting lineup. If Notre Dame was in the same boat, we'd be advocating that they be a top five team. Right. Can you at least see it that way? You know, I mean, so I think. I, I mean, I think yeah. they, they earned it more than Ohio State has the last two years. Yeah, I mean, I think it, because Ohio State doesn't bring their quarterback back, I think you could make a case that Michigan deserves to be top five. If only one Big Ten team is going to be in the top five, I think Michigan deserves that based on what we know of
1: right now. I don't like it, but it's true. Right. I agree with true. you 100. True, I agree with you 100. I don't know. I don't know that they will deserve it from the way they will end up playing throughout the year. Sure. But based, but, but that's but not seasons right. about the past. Like it's back to back playoff yeah. team that is
2: back to back Big Ten champ, back to back playoff yeah. team that is returning a bunch of guys from yeah. the lineup. Yeah, sure, they right. they deserve it. How will it play out? We'll find out. Yeah. And their their schedule's still soft. I mean, there's look Vince, their schedule next year isn't a whole lot harder than this. Let me look it up because it was I, I looked at it the other day. It's it's a little it's a little harder than this one, but it's not by much. Their schedule next year: they start off with the mighty Pirates of East Carolina, <laughs> then they play UNLV at home, then they play Bowling Green. Has when was the last time Michigan played a road game out of conference? I'm very curious about that. Was it Notre Dame in 2018? Has it's it really been, a been that long, long?
1: Long time. They didn't. didn't then they
2: time? have a home yeah. game against the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers at Nebraska, at Minnesota, home against Indiana, at Michigan State, home against Purdue, at Penn State, at Maryland, home against Michigan. Pretty soft schedule outside of a couple good teams at the top. Sure, we'll see what Nebraska is made of next year. That'll be interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: But you know. I mean, that's kind of that's how I look at
1: it, Vince, is just uh, – I agree. You know. 99 you know. problems, but BK1, Brian, you aren't worried about Viper. What are you worried about position-wise and why? Also, how do you feel about a three three five versus a four two five versus a 4-3? You kind of explained that last year. Yeah.
2: Well, I'll just touch on it again a little bit, Vince. Uh, for me, I'm worried about the interior of the defensive line just because I don't – that's a position I don't like playing a lot of young guys. So, how will those young guys handle themselves? Like, will, will Onye, will Rubio, will they really step into prominent roles? Will they get a transfer or not? I, I don't love Big End right now. Like, I, to me, Nana has got to be more of a rotation guy, not a starter for me on a championship team. But you may not be able to do that if Riley Mills has to move inside. You know, so, and th- so you went out and lost Braden Fisk. That would have been huge for Notre yeah, Dame. Huge for would. Notre Dame. Cause him and Riley could have been basically interchangeable yeah. in the same rotation, you know, one's at three technique, one's here, you know, and that was a big law. And the other was a big end and you can rotate them. You know, that, that was a huge loss, inexcusable loss in my opinion.
1: Right. Right. So
2: there's just a lot of that Vince for me of uh, a lot of question marks there. Linebacker has to remain a question until they proved me otherwise. I think JD was a lot better than people give him credit for this year. I think Jack had his moments, but was, there was other times where he was just, he, just not a factor or struggled finished the year well, and then Maris was just not good. And Prince Colley's had some issues staying healthy during his tenure as well, which is a problem. So linebacker is a big question mark for yeah, me.
1: my biggest.
2: Um, I'm not worried about safety as long as everybody stays healthy. Right. That's the key. <clears throat> because if Ramon, Xavier, and DJ Brown next year, which is what I expect the safety rotation be with a Don Shuler and Ben Minich – I feel like if everybody stays healthy, that's not a whole lot different than what your safety rotation was this year. When Brandon Joseph was out, you're missing Houston Griffith, who's who's a solid player this year. But you can Thomas Harper's a similar player. Don Schuler sure. can give you some some of the things that Houston did, style play wise, just not the experience that Houston had. Right. So as long as everybody stays healthy, but see that's the rub.
1: Yeah, as long as right. It, that's the it's, run. It's, and you're walking a fine line, right? I mean, that's bingo. We talked about that with the wide receiver room. As long as everybody stayed healthy, they were good to go. And then Avery Davis went down, right? I mean, it, there's and then
2: Joe Wilkins got hurt. And Joe Wilkins right. got hurt. Yeah. And then Tobias or Dion was not healthy to start
1: the yeah. season. Right. So yeah, I mean, as long as they stay healthy, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. Then yeah, you're you're fine there. But yeah, yeah. I agree. Yep. Ray Holcraft How oh, does the that... second part of that question oh, I'm sorry yeah man. I still got it there it is look
2: I, personally me personally I'm a four two five guy that's what I like and I would prefer a safety type of guy at that spot or a really long rover a six three gangly armed guy or a six one gangly armed guy like Jeremiah Usukormo, that right. kind of guy at rover or a safety at rover that's what yeah. I prefer mm-hmm. that's just me. But I'm also someone who's always said I don't really care what you do as long as you know how to coach it and you know how to teach the fundamentals of it and as long as you recruit to it. Like I, if you're a four-two, if you're a coach trying to implement a four-two-five and you don't have the personnel for it, I hate your defense. I hate your defense, even though it's my personal preference for defense. If you're a guy that that can recruit the heck out of a three-three-five and you know how to coach it, teach it, and use it. I love it, even though it wouldn't be what I would go with if I was a head coach. And, and I could, in a perfect world, what do I want to instill? Every school is different. You have to know what you can and cannot recruit to that school. And that's what dame has got to figure out. What are the sure. body types that you can recruit to the school right now? And if, if, is it, is the issues that you're having coach related or it's just a position we're always going to have a hard time with related? And so that's what you got to figure out. 4-3 to me is a dead defense.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's I just not athletic enough. It's just not it, Well, it's too condensed there. Yeah, right. right. I mean, and that's what I mean by that. You've got to be able to go right. horizontal as well as vertical right. and the old school 4-3 with like a sam and a will and like what those guys right. what those body types were that just you're you're gonna I just, just don't smoke. know
2: what what offense would you use that against? Right. Triple Navy, option. Army, Air yeah, Force. Right. right. I'm saying. And Wisconsin, it's not right. even going to do that anymore. I mean, there's a couple right. teams here and there that are still that kind of powerful. Michigan, and
1: there's, and you there's use times, it against Michigan. Yeah, there's times right. when I would use it within a game, right within within the construct of a game. If a team wants to go heavy, you know that kind of. Marcus thing.
2: Freeman did that against Georgian right. in the uh, Peach Bowl a couple of years ago. Yes,
1: right, and that
2: helped them shut shut down Georgia's run game. Only gave up right. like forty some yards.
1: So I have no problem with it in parts, but that for that to be your base defense I think that those days are gone those those days are gone you might still see it in high school just because of what the offenses are running and things like that but no I I'm with you 100 percent. I don't uh I it's just a dead defense as a base as a base it's a dead defense yeah I agree even though I loved it at the time like,
2: yeah it is what it is well uh, the four three is now the four two five
1: yes because I agree with it,
2: you. like the way that Notre Dame does it because you have a Jack Kaiser there or a Jeremiah Wusu or a drew Trankle there that can easily right. slide inside if you're playing a team that plays a lot of 12 personnel right. or run heavy stuff or yes. fullback or whatever the case may be. Correct. It's easy but, to uh, get old school where, because you used, to, your Sam used to be like a 6'3, 240 pound guy, Vince. Yes. That guy's now a Mike. The Mikes are now Wills or the Mikes are now Vipers. Right. right? And the Wills are now Rovers. Like safeties. R- or safeties. Yeah, you know, yeah saf- exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of kind of what it comes down to now. Absolutely. I mean, generally speaking, it's it's obviously a very broad, and it's not true for everybody. But that's a lot of times that's what it's kind of turned into.
1: Ray wants to know how does a team effectively stop the run out of a three three five defensive alignment? And we touched on this a here's, little bit. Here's
2: one of the common misconceptions about a three three five. If you know what you're doing with it, and you it, depending on the person, like the reason the Big Twelve teams struggled three three five for so long is because they were undersized. And, and they were forced to spread out. It's how they felt they could handle the wide-open offenses. And so they'd play teams that could run the football, and they just get gashed. Yeah. But a 3-3-5 when done right, and, and I think TCU had a pretty good 3-3-5. People say, oh, Michigan ran all over them. No, they didn't. Michigan ran for 180 yards. 50-some of that came in the first, the first play of the game. And then about at least 40 or 50 of that were quarterback scrambles in the pass game. Right. So <clears> they did not do it. But here's the deal. No matter what defense you're doing, you have to have gap integrity. That's the reality of it. And a three, three, five stops the run because you are gap, you have gap integrity. You have gap, you know, every every gap is being accounted for. You have safeties protecting the second level players, just like you do in a four, two, five. And you're hitting your gaps. Every time a three, three, five team sees the run, there's going to be at least four guys hitting the line of scrimmage. No different than a four, two, five. Right. And a lot of times it's going to be a fifth guy is going to insert. The difference is, is you're getting to it from depth. You're getting to it with a different body type. And that's where you can kind of have some effect, some some issues is if you're a 3-3-5 team, you, what TCU did a good job of against Michigan, and when their run defense is good, it's because their linebackers are getting into the gaps. When teams run on them is when they're able to kind of run certain th- concepts where they're able to stone those linebackers and then they're done because they're not big enough to push through like a defensive lineman is. But that's also true if you're double teaming a three technique and you blow him off the ball. It's the same kind of concept.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you're a lot, you've got to have really creative stunts to be effective. There, you can't the the defense can't all, the offense can't always know which backer is going to occupy which gap. And so, unless you've just got butt kickers in your front three. That's the thing that can help you is if you're going to be a 3-3-5 that's going to be a dominant run defense, you need dudes at Mm -hmm. the two end spots. Yep, That, to me, is even more important than nose tackle. You've got to have straight dudes there that are occupying double teams and and all that kind of stuff so your linebackers can kind of run free. And so I think that's a very important piece of it. And that's what TCU did against Michigan. Their linebackers are just beating beating the Michigan front blockers off the ball. Yes. Getting them under their pads, getting them to their side. And Michigan couldn't do anything about it after that first play. And that's how you gotta be. Now it's hard to it's harder to be consistent with that. Right. That's the danger of a three through five. There's just gonna be some games where you just get gashed a few times because that other team has a, an idea or you miss a couple times. It's a it's much more of a high risk, high reward yeah. run defense. Agreed. My, but if you do it right, you can have success with it, in my opinion. Against Base personnel now against twelve personnel and stuff like that, you better have answers. Right. And that's what Freeman did in the Peach Bowl. We were just talking about it. Whenever Georgia was in eleven personnel, Cincinnati would stay in their base personnel, three-three-five personnel. But the minute Georgia went twelve personnel or brought in a fullback, Cincinnati immediately checked with them to the to their ba- to their four-three personnel immediately. So they just try to match personnel with them because they knew when Georgia goes twelve personnel. We don't physically match up right. against the run. We can't. So they switched to four three personnel. You can do
1: that in a bowl game. That's harder to do on a consistent basis. There, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because then and then then teams are, are scheming against that, etc. That was not something that Georgia was able to scheme against because it right. was a bowl game and you know, obvious the obvious stuff. Right. All right. Douglas Road roundabouts. <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever eaten at Corn Dance Tavern? I'm taking my wife there for a steak dinner on her birthday in February. Is that the one over on Grape? It is on Grape. Yeah, I've never it's, been there before. It's, it's right. I believe it's right next to like Outback and that. Yeah, it's over by, Yeah. I've never eaten uh, there before. I have never eaten there. My daughter has eaten there four or five times. That's where it pays to Which have one? rich friends. One uh, of the twins or Ella. Yeah. Okay. A friend she goes over, spends the night with all the time. They go there all the time. She's like, yeah, Dad, it's okay. okay. But she's not a steak lover. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. My dad's not really a steak lover.
2: He'll eat a steak, but he's not really a steak right. lover
1: either. It's kind of I've weird. heard that it's good, but it is out of my price range to take a seven top, which would be my family,
0: to yeah. dance.
1: So yeah. good luck, sir. Let us know how it goes. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, be curious. Keith, does Notre Dame bring DJ Brown back just for numbers?
2: No. He'll bring him back to be part of the rotation.
1: You don't bring somebody back just to be a number. Right. I, you I, can. I don't you don't, don't bring a that. guy like him back Yeah, to just be a number. Yeah. In my opinion, no. no. Agree with you. I mean, we haven't heard either way yet, right, about uh, DJ? I haven't heard
2: officially, but I anticipate him coming back.
1: Okay. All right. As of right now, yes. Call me, Ty, if you could pick one of these three to have an All-American season, who would be the most impactful? Merryweather, Patelho, Sneed. Ooh. I think for me, as much as I want to say Merriweather, I'd have to go
2: Patelho. Just because if they can get an All-American edge rusher next year. like Notre Dame, I believe, with the run game they have, can have a great offense without one guy being an 80 catch 1400 yard guy, which is what you right. need to be to be an
1: all-american. Absolutely. It's stat driven,
2: right? You know, if Merriweather next year has 50 catches for 800 yards and he's their leading receiver, but the offense is really dynamic because Dion's making plays and they're just spreading the, the love around totally fine with that. Yeah. But if D- if Tobias has a monster season, but Notre Dame can't get after the quarterback, it's not gonna matter. Yeah. They're still going to be 10 and two. So I would say if Patelho or Josh Burnham, like whoever the Viper is, and right now I think it's going to be Patelho right now, if he comes out and has an All-American season, that means he... Because think about this. Isaiah Foskey was an All-American this year. He wasn't last year. So only one of his 10-plus sack years did he make All-American with any... You know, I think he made like a third team or something like that last year. But um, I think his All-American honor this year was off reputation. My point being for Jordan Patelho to go from some dude that nobody nationally really knows about to an all American right. means That's, he has a monster yeah. season. Yeah. 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 And that would be huge for the Notre Dame. I mean, I'm not talking like 12 tackles for loss, 11 sacks like Foskey had, I'm talking like 17 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, two picks. It's going to have to be something like that. Yeah. For him to be an all American from, because a lot of this too, is about who, who, what's your reputation coming in? hundred percent. And, and, you know, cause we see guys make, you're like, dude, that, why'd that guy make an all American list? The only guys that don't, are the guys that, that don't didn't have a name? or the guys that put up huge numbers? Right, and so that's kind of why. That's how I look at it. So yeah, Batelho would would to me as an All American would have the biggest impact on this team. I hope
1: it's all three, but that'd be great. I hope but for me, and I don't see. I don't you. I mean, you said it. I don't. I don't see Meriwether having the stats. Because it's gonna be super stat driven. He for could
2: yeah, he could. I don't know,
1: that, it, that's not good news for the offense, right? I mean, in my opinion, that's well, not- I mean,
2: look, if Tobias comes out there and he's just unguardable, he's 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 Justin Jefferson and you just can't guard him and he's just killing people, I don't think that's bad for the offense. I just it just to me his numbers have to be so insane that to be an all-American that it would be like, okay, right, the offense is pretty good, but if Patelho's also not right. You know you're gonna get outscored, and that's my that's my concern. If that makes sense, but I guess it would be depend on why he put up those numbers, mm-hmm. Vince. You know, is it is it because he was just that good, or was it because like what Golden Tate dealt with in 09, where it was partly he's really good, but it's also partly like who was going to throw the ball no, to throw the ball Rudolph to? Rudolph was banged that's, up that's more he along was The was out. That, yeah. yeah,
1: that's more along the yeah. lines that I was coming at it from. Is like he's you. your only go to guy, and he racks up the numbers that he does. Yeah. I worry about what the rest of the offense looks like right but if it's your scenario where he's just unguardable and you're like yeah i'm just gonna go right hey i'm going to 15 and it doesn't matter like that'd be great like that would be awesome that would be awesome